Thanks for having me, guys. If, uh, if you don't know me, my name is Kieran, and um, my wife and I, Sammy, are part of the North AM service. Um, so we meet in Mitchell, um, and yeah, we're part of the focus team there. I've lived in Canberra for a couple years. Know some faces here from the times that I visited and the times um, beyond that. Uh, we've become more of a part of the Divergent family. Um, and yeah, we really love the people here at City PM. I think Sammy used to regularly come here to City PM at one stage as well which is awesome. And yeah, as Ryan said, we've been talking about uh, phrases that we use in the church that are not biblical. And therefore, if they're not biblical, they're not true. Therefore, they're false. And therefore, they're actually damaging and unhelpful. And some of you may be thinking, come on, welcome to church. It's harmless, right? We're not, we're not playing semantics here. We're, we're talking about words that come out of our mouths that can often reflect our heart and can often, we, we say them because we actually believe them. Um, and we can get caught up in this because the world thinks this way of church, perhaps, or traditions or the way that we've seen things or the way that we've been brought up would have us uh, say these phrases. And so if we look in the scripture, we actually don't see uh, them using the, ter the term church as referring to a building. We see ecclesia, uh, the proper translation being an assembly or, or a congregation. You know, Jesus did not come to die for a building. And um, definitely not this building, because I heard there was some asbestos in this building at some point. Um, if this was it, and he died for the building, then I think we should all go home at this point. I think it's a lot more than that, isn't it? We, we, he came and he died for, for us. He came and died for his children. And, and we are his children. We're the body of believers. And so the big idea is that the church is a gathering, but also that the church is the greatest witness of God's love to the world that we are actually the body of Christ and that we are his family and that we are family and we have a father in heaven. That's who we are. God didn't say, go into all the world. You know, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he didn't say to them, go into all the world and build the biggest buildings and create the coolest Sunday services ever, right? That was not what he commanded them. He talked about people. He talked about making disciples. And this needs to be our emphasis as a family. And so today we're going to be looking at what the church is. What's our identity? How is it built and sustained, matured? And what does it look like in action, in our mission together? And so first of all, our, our identity. Well, we are the family of God, as I said, and He is our Father. But if we did sort of a blood test today and we sort of went around, and we're not going to do a blood test, don't worry, but <laughs> some of us hate blood tests here, I'm sure. My wife faints when she has a blood test. Um, if we did a blood test here this morning, uh, we would find out that most of us are not actually family, right? The DNA would show that we're not family. Some of us maybe are related, but it would be pretty clear that we're not family. You know, on a daily basis, so I work with young people who are at risk. I work for the Salvation Army, and one of my work colleagues is here today. Uh, and we, we help these young people um, who are disengaged from school. And, and they are, are broken, a lot of them. A lot of them lack confidence, a lot of them lack purpose. A lot of them lack so much uh, of their worth that they turn up with horrible presentation. They smell bad sometimes. It honestly is a reflection of how they feel about themselves. And there's one consistent theme that I've noticed, and that is that all of these young people come from broken families. They come from homes that are broken where the father or the mother's not around. They've split up. There's sin in the family. There's, there's alcoholism and drug addiction. There's domestic violence. 
and these young people are put in this, this family where they've grown up and they get to a point where they don't know their identity anymore. And so they can't even turn up to school because what's the point? What's the purpose? They don't have support. They can't go back to their family. They're not loved and cherished. And in fact, a lot of them don't like being around their family at all because of this. And I'm not too unfamiliar for myself to this reality. Luckily, I did have a a really loving mother, but I did grow up in a single parent home. And often I did not have my father around. And even when he was around, he had some addictions that were, they were damaging. And I wasn't able to know him as, as my father. And if we look at some studies, we can see that 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes, which is 20 times the average. 85% of all youths in prison come from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. Now, I'm grateful that, that I grew up in a home with a mother who had a faith, and therefore we, did, we were involved in a church family, and there were fathers there for me. But even greater than that, we know as Christians that we have a heavenly father. And if we were to do a spiritual DNA test here today, a bit of a blood test here, it would show that we are linked. In the same way that we are linked in our family, and I would put it to you even greater than that, that we are linked as a family through the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is what washed us clean and brought us into light and brought us into the family of God so that we are right with God. We are adopted into this family. This is who we are. But it goes further. It says that, you know, in the Word, we see that these terms of us being the temple and that the Spirit of God is actually indwelling inside of us, that we are the very embodiment of Christ. This is who we are as His family. We experience His wonderful grace and His love for us like you would in a family. Do we know this? Do we remember this, that not only is He our Father, but that we are part of a family that is so linked, so intertwined, that God would use us to be His very body on this earth. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17, Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Yourself, you yourselves are God's temple. The Spirit dwells within us. And God takes it very seriously when people come against His people and His temple. And He is not talking about a building. He is talking about His family, like a father would defend his family or a mother would defend you know, Paul's prayer for the Ephesians in Ephesians 3, 16 to 21, if you want to turn there to, with me, is all about being rooted and established in love. He's praying that these people would be rooted and established in love together. Ephesians 3, 16 to 21. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with the power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Who loves that verse? That we would be rooted, that we would be rooted in this love and that we would have the power together to experience the depth of God's love for us. Like brothers and sisters in Christ, like brothers and sisters in a family when they experience the love of their father, the love of their parents, their mother and father, the same way, but even greater. That is just a glimpse of the love that our father has for us. You know, if you look in the, in the book of Acts, we do see that people meet together and they do meet in buildings. They do meet in the temples and they also meet in houses and they have gatherings. So there is a point to a Sunday service. There is a point to a gathering. But I think sometimes we miss the point. And there's a quote by Francis Chan that says, sometimes church is like going to the movies instead of the gym. We come here and we sit in our chairs and we watch this show and we don't participate. We come and, and we look to get, we look to be entertained. We come for ourselves at time with selfish ambition and we forget that this is a training ground. We forget that it's not the leader or the preacher or the person on the platform who is the body of Christ. It is all of us that are the body of Christ. This time is, is a time for us to come together and to be trained and equipped so that we are mature to do the good works. As Josh was saying, that people would see our good works and they would look to the Father. You know, it says in Ephesians 4, 11, 16, which is in reference to what Ryan was saying about pastors, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God gave us people with giftings. We all have different giftings and we are the many ligaments of a body. The, the, the purpose of a gathering though is that we would unify in those giftings and we would be equipped for good works and good services so that we would be mature to go out. But then it goes further. And Paul says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The body of Christ is built up in love. Our giftings are for the purpose of being built up in love so that we would have an increased capacity to love others. Maturity is not so that you know more, that you have less problems, or that you're puffed up this strength just for yourself. Maturity is grown for the sake of increasing your capacity to love God's people and the world. To increase our capacity to love God's people and the world. This is the purpose of coming together and sharing in this love. You know, Jesus says 
in John 13, 34 to 35. And this is our mission. This is, this is who we are. It says that a new command I give you, and this is speaking to his disciples, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And this is the key point. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the greatest witness to the world. The way in which we, as God's children, love one another. That is what we are called to as his body. To love one another. And I believe the world does take notice. You know, some of us sometimes think that the world doesn't take notice and they just think certain things of the church that are horrible. But sometimes people take notice. You know, I was just speaking to a guy in Quimby and I preached there only probably an hour ago now. Um, and um, one of the guys came up to me and, and he, he told me a bit about his testimony. And he said to me, man, like a whole year ago, I just walked into the church and the kindness of the people, the kindness that I felt in this room I just broke down. Someone offered me a cup of water. Like, I just broke down, you know? And I said, oh, no, I'll get it. And they said, no, we'll get it for you. And he just, he just could not handle this kindness. The world is not, they are not used to this kindness, this love that we have for one another. They're not. And this man is now baptized. His family is becoming restored and he is continuing to serve the Lord. That is the testament of the love that we have for one another. That is a testament to Queenbian. I encourage you, if you get a chance, if it doesn't collide with this service, obviously, to go over to Queenbian at some time and, and meet those people there and the love that they have for each other. So it's not good music. It's not a good building with, with all the flashy lights. It's not more fun events. It's not like a celebrity or a sports person turned Christian and then they get up and give a speech which is going to win your friends and your family to the Lord. It's the love that you have for one another. It starts here. And our effectiveness to love people outside of our family in Christ, the world, our effectiveness will be measured by our ability now to love each other. And what I mean by that is if we can't even love each other and be unified, then how can we go out and love people that are so broken, that are so blinded? How can we connect with these people? We must be unified in the love of Christ and in loving one another. So what does it look like then to love one another? This is just such a broad term. Well, Jesus sets the standard. He says, as I have loved you. We've all experienced the love of Christ. What did he do for us? He laid down his very life for us. He gave it all. This is the standard. There's no compromise. That's, that's who we look to for the standard. As I have loved you. And he went all the way to the cross for us and sacrificed himself for us so that we would be free. He loved us while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for it to reciprocate, right? Some of you are waiting for it to reciprocate. He didn't wait for it to reciprocate. He loved while we were still sinners. That is the radical love that we are called to. That is the radical love that the world does not understand. And so further, what, what does that look like? Well, there is many ways that that looks like, but I believe that a key way for Divergent Church this year is emphasizing our life communities. And this is not an advertisement for life communities, right? This is because we know that if people gather during the week and do life together, that they will love one another and there will be maturity built and people will be joining in this love together and we will start to see a unity continually growing so that we would be a testament to the love of God. And 
so Life Communities this year, we're going weekly. Yeah, that's a massive deal, right? Get rid of that fortnight stuff. We're going weekly. And, and what we're doing is we're creating a space where we can come together as family. And, and Cade's painted it as a very good picture. Cade's the, the regional manager. He said, regional manager? Sounds weird. <laughs> All right. <laughs> regional manager. He's, he's the guy that, you know, runs stuff. Anyway, so Cade has, has said the vision is that, you know, our life communities, that's where it starts. This is not where it starts. Our life communities is where it starts because that's our immediate family. They're the people that you know. You know their lovely parts. You know their unlovely parts. You know when someone's going through a tough time because university's weighing down for them. You know when they've gone through a relationship breakdown. You know about it. You know when they need to move because you are so ingrained in their life that you check up on them. And you know, there's a period in my life where this happened for me and it changed my life. Back in 2015, I'd come out of a time of two years of just rejecting God after knowing Him for so long. I just walked away and I lived in, in this denial, in this sin. And I was with this, um, this girl and it was a horrible relationship. And I'd come out of that and I turned up at a church community and I began to attend there. And this guy said to me one day, he said, oh, when we were after a Sunday service, he said, oh, do you want to come home to, like, to my place? We're playing video games all night. Um, you know, we're going to stay up probably all night. I thought, that sounds great. I don't have work tomorrow. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So someone gave me a lift. And along the way, I was so broken that I just began to share of my pain with this guy. And he just listened and listened. Finally, we got to the house. And then another guy turned up as well. And I didn't know these guys from a bar of soap. And I was just telling them everything. And, and they just... They just looked at me and they didn't say, oh, well, we better get the pastor involved. Oh, we better wait to Sunday. We better wait for a life com. Or we, better, we just better wait till there's someone else here to do, to do something about it. No, they looked at me and they said, let's just pray now. Let's just pray. And they just began to pray for me. And I began to feel the peace of God and I began to feel comfortable around these guys. And yeah, we played video games the rest of the night, all night. But we also... Shared, in our, in our, shared our lives together. We were, we were talking about our walk with the Lord and this is what it looks like to do community. A lot of those guys, we end up having a discipleship group which planted out and started another discipleship group and there was probably, I think, five or six discipleship groups built out of that in two years because there was a group of people coming together that were intentionally saying, you know what, I want to love you. You know what? I actually want to be family with you. I will call you at random times at night and cry about my ex-girlfriend, right? That's what one of my, my now best friends did to me. I knew him for like a week. I was like, man, this is a bit confronting. He was crying. I've never seen him cry since, by the way. Anyway, we were praying for each other's needs. We were being accountable to each other. Iron sharpening iron, carrying each other's burdens, therefore fulfilling the law of Christ. That's the words that we see in Scripture. This is who we are as God's family. And then as we do that, we will be a testament to the world. They will notice. They will. And, and as a North AM crew, is a particular area of ministry that, that God has just given us a grace for. And you've, we've seen these giftings come together and this love permeate into another community outside of the church. And it is a group of refugee ministries, refugee ministries, a group of refugee, uh, <laughs> group of refugee uh, people that are from Afghanistan. And these people are Muslims and they're fresh to this country. And it started with a couple families and it's grown to six families. And these people came to our, our beach getaway recently 
They, they came and they witnessed us praising God and singing songs and reading the Word and they witnessed baptisms. Muslims witnessing baptisms all the way from Afghanistan. Isn't that incredible? And what we did was we showed them the way that we love one another in community and we invited them into that. And we said, come and see. Come and see the love that we have for each other because we have been loved so much. So you might be thinking to yourself right now, well, I'm tired. I don't have the capacity to love people right now. I've got so much on my plate and, and I try and reach out, but I, I feel like I get so tired and, and I'm exhausted. How do I do this? Do I just conjure up more love for, for people? Do I just sort of say, like, I love you, man, and, you know, just, just, just try harder? Right? I'm not a motivational speaker up here, right? This is not about me just telling you, you know, try harder and love more and whatever. No, no. We know that there is a love that we have experienced that we have access to because we're in the family of God. We know that we have the power inside of us through the Spirit to experience the depth of God's love. And guess what? It's endless. It never runs out. That is our source. That is who we go to, to have the capacity to love other people. We weren't left alone. When God says that we are the body of Christ, he put His Spirit inside of us so that we were empowered for this. We were made for this. In fact, it is when you start loving people in this way, you start to realise that's where the joy is. That's where purpose is found. That's where mission is found. And I've seen Christians and have been Christians for a long time and you see them and it's like they've got some sort of time travel you know, ability where they're just so good at time managing that it seems like they're just going around and loving so many people, meeting up with so many people. How do they have the capacity to do that? Do they even eat? Like, do they even sleep at night? Are they just restricting themselves like four hours sleep? They just get up and message people and meet with people, work a full-time job. How do they do it? Well, I believe that these people are experiencing the love of God and they're asking God, give me an increased capacity to love people. Give me an increased capacity to love people. And guess what? We, we get to do this together. We get to do this together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you loved us whilst we were still sinners. You showed us so much love and grace in your son, Jesus, that you did not just sort of purchase us freedom for us to run around by ourselves, but you actually called us sons and daughters of the Most High. You said that we are your children, that we are your body. You chose us from the beginning of time and you put your spirit inside of us so that we would be empowered to live this life in loving one another and loving the world. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you have not left us high and dry. Thank you that you have given us what we need to love one another. I pray for everyone in just this city PM that they would have an increased capacity to love one another, that they would become serious about carrying other people's burdens, about maturing as your body, not leaving it up to some leaders or those that have a title or those that stand on a platform, but realizing that we are all the body. Use us, Father. We want to be used by you. I just pray for all the university students in this vicinity, Lord, at ANU. And I pray, Lord, that you would empower the people here, Lord, your people, 
to go into that place and to reach people by the way in which they start by loving each other here and loving each other in community. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. We thank you again for this rain. And we thank you for the love that you have for us that is endless. In Jesus' name, amen.